0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and today we're going to talk about hiring writers and creating SOPs. And I have my new friend, Carrie Campion. I think I got her name right, right? Yeah, yes, I got it right. Nailed it. <laughs> and she's a copywriter and content marketer, and we're going to dig into these details. So, Carrie, how's it going today?
1: Going well, but as I we just kind of mentioned as we were having a little chat beforehand, my Almost three-year-old daughter, her birthday on Wednesday, is having a meltdown in the background. So there might be, there might be some screams in the background. Just know that it is a standard issue toddler tantrum.
0: <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's no problem. It's very authentic here. So um, it'll just add some background noise, and it'll it'll be fun so
1: yeah inspire all the parents you can you can do it all like podcast interview tantrum like it's fun
0: it is yeah it's perfect well it carry i don't know you that well so we're gonna get to know each other can you give just a little intro on your background and, and what you do now
1: yeah so i originally kind of started out i was an english teacher um so i live in spain i'm from ireland just in case People spend the rest of the show being like, what's that accent? What is that? (laughs) So I moved to Spain seven years ago. I started teaching English. And then actually my husband, he is an engineer for a European car company. And he basically got sent to France. So kind of from one day to the next, I was like, oh, I have no work anymore. (laughs) Like, what? Um, And then I was pregnant. So I thought, okay, well, this is a good time to, you know, do some sort of transition. So I always loved like blogging and stuff. And I'd always, you know, I kind of like done little blogs back when I was, you know, in uh, Ireland and Belfast and stuff. I had like a local news blog called East Belfast Buzz that is still on the Internet. It's very embarrassing (laughs) if you you want to check it out and have a laugh. Um, So I kind of had this idea of starting a a blog for English language learners. Um, And I was kind of thinking, yeah, well. I can have a blog and then it it turned into a blog and a podcast. And I was thinking, oh yeah, I can use that to find students online and maybe do like online courses. Um, but then like, I kind of started to enjoy the content marketing and the writing side more than I like did like the idea of actually (laughs) continuing to teach. I was like, maybe I should, maybe I should explore this. So I did like a course on Instagram marketing actually. And they had a guest, um, Guest workshop about copywriting, and I was like, Wait, what? This is a thing, like, what? Because, kind of, even you know, before that, back in Ireland, the kind of roles I did were like in communications, PR, those types of things, but I never actually heard like copywriting as a thing. Like, I had no idea businesses would pay people to like write their websites or produce content. So I was just like, Oh my God, I'm going all in on this. Like went crazy. Like did all the courses did all the trainings I could find. And it was good because, because I was pregnant, I wasn't working at the time. It was just a really good time to just beef up on like my knowledge. And yeah, one thing led to another and I I started doing it. I started getting clients from people that I knew, did some stuff for free, you know, getting experience and yeah, it snowballed into um, my agency now, which is called God Save the Serp. Um, yeah, and here I am. That's that's what I do now. <laughs>
0: cool. And did you listen to podcasts or read blogs or like what made you get interested? Um, you know, after you you started the blog and you realized that there were people out there doing copywriting and there were agencies. So yeah, what podcasts or influences did you have out there?
1: I know the first big one for me was Copy They were like the first, you know, kind of they didn't have courses, but they had these really good like eBooks that I think they call like they're they like legacy eBooks or something now. <laughs> like, uh-huh. um, and I remember just like going through those, like, oh my god, this is amazing, you know. Um, so yeah, and then I just started to like devour everything on Copy Um, and then you know with their podcast and stuff as well, their blog, and then copy hackers also um copy hackers like the you know the ogs of copywriting so those courses are yeah basically your degree in copywriting comes from copy hackers that's like yeah so those are really the the probably the most important ones and then i got introduced to i was looking up copywriting coaches and that's where i discovered uh, my amazing coach she like, honestly, without her, I, I would not have <laughs> done what, what I was doing whatsoever. Uh, Belinda Weaver from copyright matters. And she had a podcast called the hot copy podcast that she did with Kate toon. And again, I just, just went to town on that. And I was like, "Which has a membership. I want that. <laughs> okay. then, yeah, that was the, it yeah, was like the, the original influences.
0: Got it. And then did she help you, um, more on the actual copywriting side or like the business side of copywriting or both
1: the business side. Yeah. So I would say like the, the training for copywriting, uh, came more from copy hackers and then it was like, okay, great. Well, how do I like, how do I make this into something? Like, how do I become a freelancer? How do I invoice? What do I like? I just no idea. Um, especially because it was online and I was like, and I was like, really a bit of a, a a hermit. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have LinkedIn. Like I was so anti-social media. So it was, it was uncomfortable for me to be like, Oh, now I have to like get this to try to get clients. And yeah. So Belinda really helped with the business side of things to get me started. And I was there, you know, that membership for like two years. Um, it's really fantastic. And then copy hackers was really like the, the core sort of training. And then I kind of got more into SEO. And that's where I discovered, I don't know if you've heard of him, Brandon Hufford from SEO for the rest of us.
0: No, that, uh, SEO for the rest of us sounds familiar, but, uh, no, I don't know, Brandon.
1: Yeah. So he was kind of like the, probably the first person who made SEO, like not snooty, (laughs) you know, like SEO as an industry is super snooty. It's very like gatekeepy people. People are just, it's like the snobbiest part of digital marketing. I think, um, yeah. So yeah, he was like the first person I discovered who made it like down to earth, understandable and just like not snooty. And that kind gotcha.
0: of
1: got me started on on that path.
0: Interesting. And I wonder, I wonder if it's not so much snooty as it's like social awkwardness. <laughs> <I don't laughs> Could
1: all <also> be <laughs> that,
0: yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and a lot of them don't even see themselves as like in the digital marketing. They would almost class themselves more with like, I don't know, like the developers or something. You know, there's like they, they, there's a lot of them. You're like, no, we're not like in the marketing. Like, yeah, we're not those people. No, <laughs>
0: but they're, not, yeah, but they're like not good enough to be developers. I'm just trying to piss them off. <laughs> I guess I'm just kidding. All the SEOs out there. Okay. Um. All right. So I lost my train of thought a little bit, and I don't know where we're going with this. But I remember you, the, you mentioned uh, you you were not on social media so much. Uh, not on mm-hmm. Instagram. Or LinkedIn, which I think you're active in both currently, mm-hmm. right? Pretty active, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So, how, why did you eventually start? Any rocks, rocky times, like getting active on social media?
1: Oh God, so much! Like I, wait, w- whenever I first started using Instagram, was like OG Instagram, like moody emo photos with like a filter you know like that's what Instagram was when I'd stopped using it and so I still kind of like thought that was the case when I started it up again when I was doing still still doing my, my um, English teaching business so I'd have like quote cards and I don't know I was trying to be like inspirational or I don't know what I was doing but it was not the same Instagram that I had left like four or five years before <laughs> so that was such a shock to see this is how like how completely it had changed after like the Facebook acquisition um I was like oh wow I really I don't know what I'm doing on this whatsoever um and I got following someone on YouTube her name is Vanessa I'm gonna I'm gonna say it not with my Belfast accent because no one will understand it Vanessa Lau (laughs) um who's like the Instagram queen and yeah I was like I learned a lot from her even took her program and that really helped kind of demystify Instagram and sort of help me like producing content and, and not like, you know, I'm on stories all the time. I do a lot of video content now. I'm on reels and stuff. Um, but before I was like, I just had no idea. It changed so much. And I just had no idea how to use it. I really didn't.
0: Okay. You feel like you have the hang of it now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of annoying because I, I still feel like Instagram's throttled my reach because I switched like from being this English language page to like an SEO copywriting page. And I think they just, they've never fully understood that change. (laughs) They're kind of still confused because I used to get like a pretty steady stream of followers. And then kind of like with the niche switch, you know, I expected like a dip and, you know, people to leave and things like that. But I I never really recovered that same rhythm. But I get like a lot of, you know, engagement in like the DMs. Um, I've made great relationships on Instagram. So now I try not to worry too much about like the follower kind, like they kind of, they do come in kind of like steadily mostly because like, I don't know, things like in my email signature, there's a link to go follow on Instagram. And in a lot of my blog posts, I'll embed a post from Instagram. So there's like a lot of kind of cross-pollination there. And with reels, that helps also for like getting reached to new people who don't know you. But yeah, I, yeah, I feel like, yeah, now that I've, stuck it out which is really the term there, like stuck it out um i definitely feel like i've got a handle on it now of like what to produce who i'm producing it for i don't really use instagram to find my clients anymore it was great whenever i worked with coaches and maybe service providers i don't really serve that market anymore for my client work so i use it mostly to create relationships with other copywriters because i also have a community for for copywriters and a seo copywriting course so yeah kind of like understanding who you're targeting as well if you're doing like i don't know b2b SaaS, or instagram's probably not not the best platform to be on but for you know for that kind of more b2c stuff um are doing coaches that sort of thing it's it's fantastic it's a really great relationship building tool
0: perfect so linkedin you also spent time on and you could talk about how you got involved there and then you Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier before we started recording that you had a post kind of go viral and then can you talk about that and you know what you learned from that specific post
1: yeah so linkedin i I really only got started with it recently i resisted it for the longest time just because i really don't love it as a platform um i love twitter twitter is probably my favorite one Um, and just watching the chaos with elon musk at the moment is just really entertaining as it is terrifying, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> but I decided to get, to give LinkedIn a chance. Um, cause my, that's like the only social network my husband uses as well. He was like, yeah, you should use LinkedIn. Like it's better. It's more work focused, blah, 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 blah. So I said, okay, whatever. Um, it, yeah, I have like lots of connection requests and stuff. So it's, it's been really easy to grow a following there. I find, but, you know, my posts weren't getting the most engagement because I was still like, I have no, I, I don't know what works yet. So you're always kind of testing new, con- new, new content, new concepts to see what works. But um, one day I had a post just take off um, and yeah, it was like a hot take sort of thing, which I, I mean... I guess not, now I've kind of like done a bit more digging. I think those things do work on LinkedIn, the kind of like hot takes or whatever works on Twitter as well. But I, I, I had no idea at the time. I was just yeah. kind of writing something quite honest and it really took off. So the post was actually about, um, basically if you're hiring a content writer, like I was, I said, this is a hard pill to swallow. And then I sort of explained where a lot of companies, where a lot of, um, business owners kind of go wrong when hiring a content writer because just over the years, like I've, I've seen it. Um, and clearly like writers felt very strongly about this because, um, you know, it was like 14,000 impressions, 20 at reposts, 50 comments, like 256 reactions, which, you know, that's crazy wow. numbers for me. It's usually just like three people and probably one of them is my husband. <laughs> it a, like, you know? Um, so yeah, essentially it was, I mean, no writer is ever going to understand your niche, service, audience, or product quite as well as you do. So like, that's like the sort of starting point. And like to expect them to do that really isn't fair, especially because a lot of the time it's like you hire a writer and you just give them ideas for posts every month or, you know, every week without any kind of like guidance or any type of like subject matter expertise that they can kind of rely on now having said that writers should also kind of take charge of that and have their own briefing process as well but you know there's 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 give and take you know and a lot of writers are very frustrated because clients are just kind of like okay yeah um here's the brief and it's like here's the keyword here's how many words and a couple of subheads and (laughs) then they're shocked when you know they they feel like they have to edit it um So yeah, that was essentially what the post was about. Um, So like, are you making it easy for the writer to understand your unique point of view on a topic? That's a really big one because one of the things that um, people who hire writers complain about is like, oh, it it feels a bit generic. It feels a bit, uh," and I'm like, okay, well, unless you're hiring a writer who's very specialized in that niche. They need to lean on you for those like strong opinions and arguments and things like that. Again, the writer can do a better briefing process, but you can also help them out, right? Um, Because maybe even someone who has a lot of experience in your niche and writes in it, they might not see it quite the same as you do, right? Um, So yeah, are you just like firing topic suggestions at them left and right and, and expecting them to just come up with a great post in two or three days? um and are you able to provide them with great resources as well you know because if you you know your industry you know your niche you know who are like the people who you should be listening to the people who create great content on a certain subject you know a writer who you know isn't as involved in your industry as you are is going to struggle with that so it was basically just about making it easier um for writers and yeah it just took off so clearly like (laughs) It was very indicative that like, yeah, there's a problem here because writers seem to be very sick of that kind of happening.
0: Got it. Cool. Well, that teased us up perfectly to get into sort of the meaty part, the actionable stuff. So we're going to talk about SOPs Mm -hmm. and content briefs, actually, uh, and then repurposing content. So those are like three signposts that we're going to be looking for. Before we get into that, can you talk about your agency like what do you have going on how many people have you hired um why why do you know about any of this stuff
1: yeah i mean so we're kind of in a transition at the moment this is probably like one of the first times i've used agency rather than just like me um because we are we're just at that stage now where you know i literally just had a meeting with my ops manager and he was very excited because he got to create a new macro on excel to do this and that's that's his jam. So it's like, we are just slammed lately. I was like, I, I feel like, like I just can't breathe. Like what, what's what's going on here? So he basically built out a macro on Excel to, sort, to kind of say what our workload is per sort of week, per day, etc. to like reach our deadlines. And it was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. We like, I'm working so, so much, <laughs> like way more than, you know, what I would have said. So we are now kind of, you know, bringing in other writers and we've been doing that a little bit for a while for some other things. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's kind of from my experience of hiring, like I hired a video editor recently. Um, but, you know, before I hired him, I created like it took me. I mean, fair enough. This is kind of my marketing's my thing. But, you know, I put together like a brand guide. I was like, these are the fonts we use. These are the colors. I did like a little mood board. Um, our branding is very like kind of punk rock. It was like rage against the machine pictures and stuff Uh. and (laughs) all those kind of things. Um, I gave him examples of videos that I really like. I would like to kind of imitate that style. Um, when we make pop culture references, these are the shows and artists that we usually reference, you know, just so like he actually knew what I was sort of expecting. Um, because I know what it's like on the receiving end to sort of have nothing and have to spend, you know, I would spend quite a while like briefing a client trying to get these different pieces together. Um, so yeah, from my experience of just hiring, of, you know, being on the end of being hired and also just from managing a community of writers, you know, a lot of people come in and be like, Oh, the client says like it does the, you know, the, the copy doesn't sound like them. What should I do? And I'm like, well, do they have a brand voice guide? No you could write one for them. Um, So yeah, it just kind of comes from that, those experiences, yeah.
0: Okay, perfect. So why are SOPs important? I think you implicitly sort of explained a little bit there, but um, yeah, why are SOPs so important and can you define them in this context in case someone doesn't know what they are?
1: Yeah, so, oh yeah, another thing I mentioned is actually kind of building these out for clients because sometimes with clients I'm doing Maybe the content strategy but not the writing so I'm having to like coordinate that um so yeah so SOP standard operating procedure so it's essentially like where what's our content production process what is the workflow what is the step-by-step that leads to a finished piece of content getting published and us you know reaching our goals or you know having a review process for why we didn't <laughs> um but essentially it's, it's that content production process I feel like a lot of Business owners and it's normal as well. that you just sometimes just don't know what you don't know, right? Um, they just kind of think, oh, I'll just like hire a writer to do four posts a month, okay. But do you have a content marketing strategy already mapped out? As in, do you know how often you should be publishing? Do you have have you worked with like an SEO or a content marketer to come up with topics? What are those based on? Are they purely SEO? Is it is it answering? Um, customers questions? Is it um, content for your existing customers as well as bringing in new ones? You know, it's a lot of things to consider before you just kind of start producing content. Um, Kind of lost my train of thought there. Yeah. So (laughs) there's, do you actually have a strategy in place first? That's like the biggest mistake that I see people, uh, business owners create because they think writers will just come up with topics. And I'm like, most writers aren't content marketers and they don't want to be. And expecting them to be isn't fair. (laughs) Um, So they can kind of help you generate ideas or maybe you have an idea and they'll flesh it out for you. But that's, you know, that's probably not the best way to reach your content marketing goals. So that's the first step. Then it's, okay, well, how long does it take that writer to produce those pieces of content? Because, you know, one piece of content on average might take me maybe about seven hours, like just, you know, to produce the first draft. That's just one post. So what does it look like from, if you want to produce four, well, how, how are they going to get to you? Um, so how long does it take? What's the revision process? That's really important as well. You're not just going to send the first version and then, okay, nailed it, boom, put it up on WordPress or whatever. Usually there's some tweaking to be involved. Um, so what's that revision process like? How does that then impact your publishing goals? Um, who is reviewing it who's uploading the content Uh, what are you doing with the content afterwards what's your distribution so yeah essentially an SOP is trying to answer that and kind of create okay first we do this this person takes care of that etc etc until until it's complete really
0: got it and so my background is in project management so really like SOPs in repeating things, having templates, continuous improvement, like fits perfectly with this. And it's, you know, I did it for my corporate job. So it was kind of second nature at some point, Mm -hmm. like, of course you would have a template. Like, why would you redo the same work over and over again for each person? (laughs) It's so inefficient and you make the same mistakes over and over again, instead of improving.
1: And And then like, where, where is this, where is this housed? Like, for instance, we use ClickUp, I use ClickUp to organize everything everyone has their ta- their tasks assigned and they tick it off as they go but you know if you don't have that well how are you managing that how are you yeah, that. How are you project managing that if there's no central place for you to say okay where is this piece of content at when's the next one coming what's the duty and if not it just becomes this just mayhem
0: <laughs> yeah huge mess well so we're hearing this right um let's say someone's fairly new they haven't done this before like when should someone try to create sops because you know i can see an issue right if someone is trying to get their business off the ground or they have a new site Mm -hmm. or something like that and they're like all right i have to do sops carrie said it's important but they don't know what the fuck they're doing right so if they try to do it too soon they're going to make some mistakes so when should someone do SOPs?
1: So I always say, like, try, I mean, I always, I don't like outsourcing something I haven't done myself. And that and that's a helpful answer because I know not everyone's a writer, but I mean, if you're, so especially if you're looking to produce any kind of content based business, I feel like you should have some experience actually creating content. And just part of that is literally just documenting what you do, like every single step, like it might seem super small and insignificant, but just like documenting exactly what you're doing. And then, doing it again, doing it again, and then kind of reviewing and like, okay, well, actually I can I can automate this or I can put that, you know, and click up and I can do that as a recurring task. So I'm not creating a new task from scratch every time. So I would say just kind of doing it yourself a few times, just A, so you gain an appreciation for what's actually being done. And so if you do start to outsource, you can kind of give people like a roadmap, like, okay, this is how we usually do it. And, you know, you at least have some sort of skeleton SOP. And then as well, like, I mean, leaning on a good writer as well, asking them what their process is. Like, okay, well, what do you need from me? Like, that's a really important question to ask in kickoff calls, discovery calls. What do you need from me to do your job, right? So they might say, oh, well, I need a brief. And then you're like, oh shit, I need to make a brief. Okay, well, okay, who do I talk to you about making, about making briefs? What do, I, what do I do there, you know? Um, so kind of just being prepared. So I would say, do it yourself document everything that you're doing, do it a few times, and then just review. What, what can I, you know, be more efficient in? Can I automate anything, you know, et cetera. And then when you're talking, beginning to talk to people, ask them what their process is and what they need from you to be able to do their their work. So I would say that's really the, the starting point. So there's a lot of things like I do my business where I'm like I'm doing this for the first time. I'm just going to write everything that I'm doing and then just go back and see like right. what 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 was a stupid amount of time. Um, what did I estimate wrong? Cause I, I try to like estimate how long things will take as well, um, and then I kind of look at that with the actual data that I track for my you know time tracking, and I'm like, oh wow, that was three times longer than I thought it was. Right.
0: Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Anything else on SOPs, creating them, uh, other considerations?
1: Um, I think one thing people forget is kind of how much back and forth there actually is. Um, I think we kind of think of it as like this linear thing where it just goes boop, 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 boop. But actually, I kind of prefer mapping them out as like a swim lane. So people don't know what that is. It's like a little horizontal. like If you imagine like you're getting like a bird's eye view of a swimming pool, like the little Mm -hmm. lanes, that's essentially it. So I would have like, Carrie, uh, Megan, Natalie. And then I'm just putting like little circles or squares or whatever with like, okay, Um, creates brief, Carrie. Then the arrow goes to say, Natalie. Natalie writes the content. Little arrow goes from Natalie to Ben, who's the client who has to then review it or you know whoever's on Ben's team. So just kind of like mapping it out like that, those little arrows, because that also gives you like an appreciation for, oh, wow, yeah, there's actually... There's more back and forth in this than I thought. And then as well, that can help you think too, okay, well, do I have to do this? Or maybe I can have, you know, if you have a co-founder or if you have like a VA or something, or do you have anyone else on your team who might be able to take some of this stuff off, etc. So just kind of like getting an appreciation as well of who's involved and when. Because whenever you do those little swim lanes, it's like, well, there's like a lot of arrows going back and forth here.
0: Perfect. Yep. And people can, you know, just Google and see a swim lane diagram to understand. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: ClickUp has a really good article on it. That's actually where I got the idea. I, I just love ClickUp and everything they do. And every, I mean, they should just be paying me at this point because all mm-hmm. I do is just like talk them up. But, <laughs> but um I, I came across an article on ClickUp, which was about using swim lanes to, you know, start building out SOPs or something like that. And I literally I went into ClickUp literally on the list I used with one of my clients and they have like a little whiteboard feature. It was so ghetto. It was so ghetto. It was just like, like, you know, like in Microsoft paint, just like drawing lines and it's like using their little like squares and literally like hand drawing the little arrows between the different people. Um, but it worked, you know? And then I was like, okay, now we're going to translate that into tasks and assign the tasks to the people involved. But yeah, mine my, my is really funny. I, I do like to show people a picture of it because it's so ghetto, but it worked. <laughs> doesn't, need need. doesn't need to be fancy, doesn't need to be fancy.
0: And uh, what, what's ClickUp for people that haven't used it before?
1: Oh yes, yeah, thanks for that. I always talk about it like everyone's aware of this. <laughs> uh-huh. I just, I can't remember life before it, so I just take it for granted. ClickUp is a project management software. So if you're familiar with maybe Asana or Trello, it's similar, but it's better. Um, what I like about it is, um, it's just kind of more organized, I think, than Asana and stuff more because it has like a hierarchy structure. So we have like, uh, spaces, which is kind of like a department. So we have a space like marketing or a space sales, and then you kind of have folders and lists with specific kind of projects and stuff. So yeah, and it's, it integrates with everything. Like I have, for instance, a list for a client and then I have like an embed view where I can embed like the spreadsheet where, you know, all their keywords and content strategy stuff is, and I have it directly there. It's like, there's a doc view as well, which is basically like having Notion, but in the actual project management system. I would say it's kind of like if Notion and Asana had a baby, it might be like okay. up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which funny thing, so even though with my project management background, that was a few years ago, Mm-hmm. I have never used clickup it's fairly new right it's just a few years it's old fairly right
1: new, yeah. yeah I don't know how, how old it is but I think it's only maybe like four years old or something I'm not entirely sure maybe it's older than that, but
0: seems right make it okay. on the pot and then sure. I, yeah so I've never never used clickup and notion I've never used either so like I'm in a spot where I'm I'm trying not to be as busy and like I use Trello typically I have a Trello board up there yeah uh, and you know it's doing the job and I'm like, I don't have any problems with it. So I'm just like, all right, we'll keep it simple. No need to learn yeah. new things. Um, <laughs> but do you use notion as well?
1: I don't kind of click up. It, it just doesn't. kind of took away the need for it. Um, I was just, and, and again, like you said, I, I didn't want to like add a new thing to my tech stack. I was like, okay, like ClickUp pretty much just integrates with everything. And it already has like docs built into it that I can kind of use as like databases and stuff. So, yeah, I just, I really, I was like, no, if I can just get everything in one, please. Right. Perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. E- even if, and I'm I'm not saying ClickUp is lacking anywhere, but sometimes just having the convenience in a simpler tech stack and not having to learn a new thing. Yeah. Because some people, I mean, like notions of lifestyle or something, like, I don't even know oh what it does.
1: <laughs> I know. And <laughs> it's so true. Like, what is this? Like, I, I mean... I, yeah, I bang on about how much I love ClickUp, but it, yeah, yeah, it's not a lifestyle. But like that is so <laughs> true. That is so accurate.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure I'm the same way with something, but I, I don't know. So okay, cool. So people could check out ClickUp if they are looking for a new solution. Maybe it can you know work for them. Yeah,
1: it's 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 also it's also really cheap, which is great. Like it's a lot. It's cheaper than Asana and Trello. So if you know you do need to maybe add people or whatever, or even even the free plan though it's fine for. Most people like you really don't anything else.
0: All right. Let's, let's uh, plow ahead to uh, content briefs. So you talked about it in a couple of examples earlier. So what are content briefs and um, how can you create really good ones that are great for the writers?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is don't just throw topics at your writers. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like you're just going to get hit with content idea bombs, you know? Um, So generally speaking, if, You can hire a content marketer or an SEO before hiring a writer better because they can essentially build this out for you and you don't have to worry about it. Um, But essentially, I mean, for me, what a good content brief is, is apart from the basics, like what keyword are we targeting? Word length, um, a little bit of an overview on why you're creating this piece of content, okay like what's you know what's the sort of goals more or less educate our audience about xyz why is it important etc um generally speaking what you kind of want as well is what subheadings they should be including in that you can use a tool like phrase that's phrase f-r-a-s-e <laughs> phrase dot i think it's phrase dot io yeah which you know can basically help you build out content briefs um, for SEO purposes by looking at, you know, top ranking articles, see what Google's rewarding and help you kind of come up with ideas of what you should be including in, you know, your, your subheadings, FAQs, they take that from things like Reddit, Quora, people also ask. Um, Yeah. So those are, it's it's a really great tool for finding this information, but yeah, essentially you want to be including subheads, FAQs, just like the questions. You don't have to actually answer them. Just, more or less, what what questions they should be answering. Um, not required, but handy if you can kind of create the fancy word is like semantic entities or whatever. But um, just in a more down to earth way, it's just like related keywords that they should be including in the content. So you know, if you're talking about I don't know project management, well, it's probably quite natural you're also going to say things like Kanban or swimlanes, or you know you're going to talk about these other topics. So that can just kind of help. Guide the writer as well when it comes to like optimizing for SEO. So like, okay, well, I need to make sure I'm kind of talking about this, this, this as well. Just essentially to make sure that the, the article is as relevant as possible to the keyword that it's targeting. Any internal links that you would like linked to, so you can kind of create like a spreadsheet. I like to do this. It's like with internal linking clusters. So for instance, like I'm working with with one client at the moment in the language learning industry, and I'm like, okay. All of her articles about French are here. All the ones about Spanish are here, Korean, et cetera. So I kind of know, like, if, you know, she's got an article about learning Korean, I'm like, okay, add these internal links because they're not there at the moment. Um, so that could, that can be really handy as well. Any, uh, any links to great resources that you think would, would help a writer understand the topic better? And then what is always missing from any type of brief, and it can be like, 10 minutes long, just like a little loom video, like record yourself, just talking about the topic. Uh, again, that's like where your unique point of view is going to come in and the writer can leverage that in the content. Like say you want um, a writer to write a piece of content about the importance of um, understanding equity splits in startups, let's say. Um, so a really good example there, um, who's from startups.com was the the guy who wrote the post was saying to give you an idea of how important this is um i once paid a web designer equity in my company and every single year i have to write her a check for thirty five (laughs) thousand dollars for a shitty website she built like 10 years ago (laughs) can you imagine how much that hurts
0: (laughs) (laughs) holy cow
1: (laughs) yeah so i mean yeah essentially like having that sort of loom video like explaining you know, why is this important? Why do I think this topic's important? Um, any things that piss you off about how people approach this topic? Um, yeah, because those little like tidbits, those little, you know, pieces of information can really make a piece of content super interesting. Like I remembered that, like, you know, that $35,000 check every month or or every month, every year. And I was like, that was a really great, like, yeah, piece like a little nugget there. So adding things like that can really bring your content to life and it can just help the writer do that.
0: Okay. And how long should a content brief be? And you could give a range, I'm sure it varies. But yeah, the the text part, aside from the video that you just mentioned.
1: I mean, I think it's important that it's a brief and not a long. (laughs) Even though I I did just kind of describe a lot of things, but text-wise, that's that's not really that much. Um, Because you also don't want to like dictate too much to the writer because you, you know you're trusting them to you're you're, you're you're giving them the skeleton and just giving them like a structure and then trusting them with the rest like I you know I, I they know what to, they would know what to put in an intro and a you know conclusion if you have you know like under a subhead maybe you can write like a sentence or two about what they should cover but more or less I try to make that part as bare as possible because that's like okay, I'm I'm trusting the writer to do their job here. I'm just giving them the structure and some pointers, but essentially, yeah, I, I, as brief as possible. I really okay. have like a one point in, in mind. I'm just say try not to like elaborate too much and say like in this part, make sure you talk about blah, blah, blah. you know. Try to just trust them to do their job.
0: Got it. So one page it's probably sufficient most of the time. Like it should almost yeah. never be longer than a one pager.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. That's probably solid. Yeah. Like a page page and a quarter, you know,
0: okay. but yeah,
1: definitely like around a, 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 a page. Yeah. Especially if you're having like a little loom video. Cause that, for me, that's, that's, that's more important than anything. It's that subject matter expertise that, you know, you can essentially just give to the writer with your own experience by giving them like a brief overview of the topic and what you think about it and what pisses you off about it and all that sort of stuff.
0: Got it. Okay. And then do you happen to have like any kind of results to share like before using content briefs or after? I don't know if there's any kind of valid thing, but it'd be great if you had any examples.
1: No, I really don't. Unfortunately. Um okay. yeah, no, it's it's always just been kind of qualitative, you know, like right like, oh yeah, this is this is great. Thank you. That made it so much easier. You know, it's it's that kind of stuff rather right. than we were ranking here and after recent content briefs we shot up. I, I don't really have anything like that, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: And I think it's, 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 <laughs> it's almost like um, you know, if, if you're not getting if you're as a writer, if you're not getting content briefs and you have to spend all this time like trying to do research and you are guessing you know, your best. Yeah, yeah. and, and it just
1: adds, adds more time as well. Like you're, I mean, you're, you're always going to spend an X amount of time doing research, of course, like maybe as well. One thing I, I like to do is um, request maybe quotes or, you know, things from other subject matter experts, which is great because if you can, if you're not direct competitors, obviously, but <laughs> if you can get a quote from say someone who's a bit of an influencer in that sort of niche that, and then you share the article with them, you've like linked to their site, you can say, Oh, thank you so much included your contribution. I really appreciate it. Then they're going to share it with their audience as well. So that's also a really nice thing to leverage if you're, um, yeah, if you're writing content, trying to get other opinions involved and things like that.
0: Okay. Anything else for content briefs before we move on to repurposing content?
1: I don't think so. No, I think just, yeah, really it's about providing structure, providing that subject matter expertise that will really, you'll, you'll, you'll notice a difference because you can say that it's, it's your opinions, not maybe what they're getting from Google and having to kind of guess, like maybe this is what he agrees with. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Um, Giving them the skeleton giving them subject matter expertise, and then stepping back and letting them do their job at that point.
0: Perfect. Okay, let's talk about repurposing content. And yeah, I'll just kind of open up like what's repurposing content? How have you seen it done effectively?
1: Yeah, so I mean, repurposing content is essentially, you have usually a piece of longer form content, say it's a YouTube video, say it's a podcast, say it's a blog post, and you essentially cut it up and turn it into little mini bite-sized versions of that content. Um not always. I mean, you could, for instance, with a podcast episode, then write a blog post that goes with it, etc. But generally speaking, it's getting more mileage from your content, um, resharing it on different platforms, taking, you know, certain sections and hooks and ideas out of it, and using it across different, different platforms and in different formats.
0: Okay, perfect. So can you tell us, you know, how to do this? And you could just pick an example going from, you know, one format to another.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the important thing to know is that it's not just a case of like copying and pasting, you know, it's like, Oh, I have a blog post. Okay. I'm going to take this bullet point and turn it into an Instagram image or something. You know, you need to create like little pieces of content in their own right. So and that might be finding a hook that works in one platform, but might not work so well in another So for instance, like the LinkedIn, like the hot takes, like yeah, that that apparently works really well on Twitter as well. People are just angry on those platforms. I don't know if that's what it is. (laughs) People on Instagram are a bit more like chill and happy and (laughs) I don't know. Um, So yeah, like finding those sort of hooks and then also like you can create series with repurposing because a lot of times it's, it's hard to just like, you you don't want to just pick out like one thing and you know like one quote and turn that into like one post that has no relation to anything else a really nice way to actually build engagement when you're repurposing is to create like a series so for instance um i so i can't remember who did this really well and i was like stealing this because they did it in their newsletters i would like really look forward to the next newsletter i was like oh this is so good i'm making sure i steal this so say like you've written a post um about something. And you send like a newsletter and you introduce the topic. So you introduce like the problem that, that, you know, not having this solution creates. And then sort of say like, come back tomorrow and I'm going to tell you how to fix this problem. You know, so you're identifying with their problem. You're showing like, yeah, I know this is a nightmare, blah, 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 blah. But what if, you know, you could say, and then you introduce like the result that they want. Come back tomorrow and then I'll share it with you. You give them a little, you give them like one of the the ways to achieve that result, and then say, okay, and the rest is in this blog post. So that's way more likely to send people to your post than just sending out an email being like, Hey, I created this post today. It's about this. Go check it out. You're creating that anticipation. You're yeah, helping people kind of want the results in the solution. Mm-hmm. And that was actually something that I leveraged on that viral post on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, I, cause I kind of went on like the bit of the rant <laughs> about how to hire content writers and sort of why you're not getting the results that you want. Um, and then I sort of say, well, come back tomorrow and I'll show you you know, what you should be doing to fix it. And it really did work like, cause it, I kind of thought, okay, I'll get engagement on this one post and then the rest will just go to hell. But no, like the, like the, the two other posts that I created in that little three part series, they all got way higher engagement than, than usual. And I had people commenting, being like, oh, can't we have for it tomorrow? I can't wait you know, for the next one, which, you know, was great. That's exactly what you cool. want. So, yeah, I mean, that was, I was like sort of long walk for a short drink of water. <laughs> but for instance, uh, if you've got a blog post creating like mini videos, you know, you so I've, I've done this with clients. I've like, okay, we've got this in our ebook. Literally take this part of the ebook. That's your script. <laughs> okay, so make a video where you're talking about that. He's literally read it almost verbatim. And then we've repurposed that into videos for LinkedIn. If you've got a podcast, um, if you use something like Buzzsprout, they can create little sound bites from episodes. says so it's like 30 second episodes. Uh, and it's a video with like a little... Um, What's that? What's the wave bar?
0: You yeah, know? yeah, like the audiogram. Yeah. Is that what you call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The
1: audiograms that you can repost to Instagram, and that's you're, you're giving people a taste of the content that's going to make them want the main piece of content. There's so many ways to do it. It does take effort. It's People, I think, make it sound very easy. Like, oh, do you do one piece of content, and you can get like thirty pieces of content, but it's still a lot of work. <laughs> right.
0: And I was going to say, like for this podcast and YouTube channel, like when I first started the podcast, I went back to the blog archive and mm-hmm. realized, you know, these blog posts were good. I could really mm-hmm. just repurpose it. And kind of like you're yeah. saying, I mean, I would generally, I wouldn't, you know, read it verbatim, but I was like, the outline's already there. I could just, you know, move right. forward it with this.
1: it a lot of effort, Yeah. It's like me, I was like, I had all these like blog posts and I, and I was just going, oh, I need to send 12 reels to my editor and I know what to do. And I was like, wait, I've got like this, all this backlog of content that I could just, so I'm just, okay, there's my idea. Yeah, I mean, I would just, okay, I'm going to take this concept, turn it into a one minute video, boom, done. Here's the, here's the blog post to get more. Right. And, you know, and I would check my stats afterwards and particularly on Twitter, Twitter's very... For me, Twitter is the best at driving people back to the site. Instagram is probably the worst. But I'd like to think of it as well, like when you're repurposing, yes, I want to send people back to the original piece of content normally, but it's also about relationship building. If they only see that one-minute video and they get value from it, well, that's good enough for me and I have to just content myself with that.
0: Yep. And one thing that I... I don't think I've made too many mistakes with this because I just stopped doing it, but it is important to have like the native format of like whatever it is. So Mm. different audiences, you know, like you said, so LinkedIn versus Instagram is different, but then like there's the format, right? So sometimes it's vertical, sometimes it's square. And, you know, if you, if you post, if you just try to, you know, rip a YouTube video, the formatting is going to be off and you right. have to edit it differently to make it, you know, quote, more native for whatever the platform is. So yeah. Any yeah. observations there?
1: I mean, yeah. From my video editor. Cause I was like, I was having to like record you know how difficult it is to record vertically with like a DSLR. I was like, Oh my God, this is awful. I was like, I think it took me two hours to record 12 minutes of footage. It was ridiculous because the footage kept coming up upside down, the, the lighting was off. I just, I i wanted to just blow my brains out by the end of it. But I sort of said, okay, I'm going to stand it horizontal <laughs> because I'm just, it's not working. And he was like, oh, okay, we'll see what we can do. And I was like, okay, he's, he's going to kill me. But because I had seen people like repurpose YouTube videos on Instagram Reels and they do like the little blurry background or whatever from where it's clearly just like yeah not in the format Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be and i thought oh that looks fine he was like yeah but the problem is like look how much i have to zoom up in your face (laughs) to like make it even that and i was like okay yeah yeah, i recording vertically fine and i eventually the setup was ridiculous i was stacked on books and all sorts the camera it was yeah not a professional (laughs) setup at all
0: yeah i was gonna say i'll have to show you my little uh, set up here. I, mean, I I don't record any vertical, but I could just like turn the, uh, I have a ball head uh, tripod. So I could just like turn it vertical. This and why
1: it, because I was like, I'm going to break my camera trying to do this. It's it was just not stable at all.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what you had to do. Yeah. You had to like set it in a pillow and like strap it down or something.
1: Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> I didn't do have a tripod, but it was just, it can't really bear the weight of my camera either. So I'm just like, Oh God, it was just, it was yeah. not fun for me. It was not fun yeah. for me.
0: <laughs> okay. Any other tips on repurposing content?
1: Yeah. Uh, so one thing I like to do with my clients is we create like a kind of document once a piece of content is published. Um, we just kind of come up with that. We come up with with copy for email promotion. We come up with copy for social media posts. Um, that's pretty much it. That's all the type of copy there is. Uh, but yeah, I'm like a LinkedIn article from like one part of it. Um, so yeah, essentially if you kind of have like a backlog as well as some articles and you're sort of like, Oh God, I don't want to post on social media. Like literally go through it and just say like, okay, I'm going to have a section in a Google doc for like Instagram captions or LinkedIn posts or Twitter threads and just like start pulling it from there. You'll have to edit it a little bit. Cause like we said, you don't just pull it sort of verbatim for different platforms but you've got a pretty good head start i think it takes me about maybe two and a half hours every time i i look at a post and sort of come up with um captions and things from it but some people are sitting on so much content and they're like what do i post on social media i just don't know and you're like haven't you got like 30 blog posts in there (laughs) like (laughs) just go back look at them and just have a document for each one and schedule it all out on you know later especially linkedin's particularly easy because you know with instagram you need an image or a video but twitter and linkedin it can just be text Mm -hmm. you know so yeah definitely if, if you have like some backlog already of articles like just start creating those those little docs and yeah just creating content out of it
0: perfect all right. Well, I think we covered uh, everything in a in a broad sense. Is there any uh, anything else you want to share before we tell people where they could find you?
1: Um, I don't think so.
0: Perfect. No. Oh, means- yeah.
1: One thing, actually. Sorry. One thing is. So I, I've been doing content audits for a couple of clients lately, and one thing that really breaks my heart is when they have a really good piece of content, but it is not it's just not being discovered because it's, it's not SEO content, right? So it's just not getting or any organic tr- traffic. Um, but it's usually quite like, it's important content. It's just not SEO. So with those types of content, make sure that they don't just get lost in your blog. Like I would set reminders, you know, so say like, for instance, they have one with like, it was like Christmas gifts for language lovers. And I'm like, search wise, no one was really looking for it. But her audience was, you know, like they would love those gifts. Mm -hmm. So just because what, because they don't find it on Google, they're never going like no one's ever going to find us again. Like, no, like set a reminder to, okay, share this post in a newsletter, share, you know, something from this post in Instagram. So for those kind of like, not really, I guess, like not really evergreen or not really SEO posts. Make sure that they don't just die at death in your in your blog. Like set reminders to go back and refresh it and share it again, or or just literally share the same article exactly as it is. Some sometimes it's fine; it doesn't need updated. Um, but yeah, just so like it doesn't just go missing in the, <laughs> the
0: cobwebs of your blog. <laughs> right. Perfect. Awesome, Carrie. Well, this has been great. Where should people find you?
1: Um. So my website is God Save the Serp. So SERP stands for Search Engine Results Page. Um, So yeah, that's my website, God Save the SERP. I'm on Instagram under that handle uh, or on LinkedIn if you want to find me. It's Kerry Campion, K-E-R-R-Y. And Campion is just champion without the H. Um, Yeah, and I have a free uh, five-day keyword research course if people are interested in that, which shows you how to do keyword research without spending $140 a month on SEMrush or HREFs. Um, so yeah, that's why people, enjoy it. (laughs) They they realize they don't have to spend a fortune
0: just to do keyword research. Awesome. Cool. And you, you said you have a course, right? So what's that about? Who's it for?
1: Oh yeah. So yeah, I have a SEO copywriting course for, for copywriters. Uh, so yeah, essentially a lot of copywriters kind of struggle with, they kind of want to start doing the SEO strategy. They kind of want to be a content marketer as well as, um, Uh, just the person who you know writes the content so yeah it's uh it's called serp slayer and it's closed for enrollment right now but we are getting we're preparing to launch it again in probably the end of january next year and yeah we also have like a community on our slack channel where we can share leads and just get help with client work we have like a meeting every month where we do workshops we workshop our content and yeah, talk through any any troubles or wins <laughs> that we're having as well.
0: All right, cool. And I don't, actually I don't even know when this is going to publish. I'll let you know later. But um, if the course is not open, you have a wait list or something that people can yeah, sign up yeah. for. Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we call it our VIP list.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So yeah, yeah. If you if you go onto the sales page now, you can enter your email and you'll make sure like you're alerted whenever it goes live again. We also have I also have a course a course called Content Slayer. Um, so it's like a kind of mini version, which is kind of for everyone. So it's about creating content. We kind of divide it into these pillars: content to build links, content that generates seals, um, content like or to get found in search. <laughs> um, and okay. yeah, so that's also available. Content Slayer, and that's available to buy all the time.
0: Perfect. All right, we'll link up for all the stuff so people can find it. And uh, thanks again, Kerry.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. <laughs>
0: luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe and don't forget... I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show. That's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it, and we'll catch you next time.